0: it was the most depressing set of interviews I've ever had. Not one of them did a thing. And, you know, and it wasn't that they didn't know what to do. It wasn't that they weren't motivated to do it. And I started digging in a little bit and realized that for most of them, they were uncomfortable asking. They sell for a living. And as I got into it a little more, I I realized that a couple of things are going on there. One, When they go to their clients, they look at at a client as a really valuable person in their life, in any kind of business. And they don't want to go back and kill the goose that laid the golden egg.
1: This is On Deck. Conversations about entrepreneurship with your host, Les Deck.
2: Hi, Les Deck here. Today, my guest on the very first On Deck podcast is Steve Gordon. Steve is the owner of a very busy agency here in Florida called The Unstoppable CEO. Steve and I have been friends for more than 15 years, and he'd already had a successful corporate career, but decided to change his focus a few years ago to helping other CEOs expand their businesses through better contact techniques. He became a best-selling author and speaker in the process, and a couple of his popular books are Podcast Prospecting and Unstoppable Referrals. Who would not want to have unstoppable referrals? Most of our conversation today will be about the power of referrals and how anyone can get more of them. And we'll also be touching on writing a book to help establish your credibility as an expert. Steve, welcome to On Deck.
0: Well, I'm excited to be here. I, I have done hundreds of podcast interviews, but I think this is the first first interview I've ever done on a podcast. So, uh, thank you for uh,
2: inviting me to to kick things off. Absolutely. Well, let's get right into it. Um, Steve, one of the things that we learn early in business is that referrals from trusted advisors and friends uh, to our potential clients are really golden opportunities. Uh, it's the best kind of intro that you can have to a client, uh, whether it's a warm handoff or your friend Bob has told me that, we should get together is powerful yet very few businesses take best advantage of this what are the barriers that prevent us all from doing a better job with referrals Steve
0: well there are there are a number of them but I think the biggest one and I you know I discovered this for the first time back in 2012 I was teaching a series of workshops on referral marketing to to business owners here locally we probably put close to 300 business owners over the course of a summer through these workshops. And we taught them all the usual advice on referrals, which basically you can boil it down to ask all your clients, ask them a lot and follow up until they buy or die. And that's that's basically the, the advice, the conventional wisdom on referrals. And so we taught that and everybody loved it. And they said, yeah, we're not doing that. And we need to do more of that. I thought, this is great. So I followed up with about 20 of them uh, about six months later, and asked, Well, okay, how's it going? And you were so motivated to go improve your referral process after our workshop. What's happened since? And it was the most depressing set of interviews I've ever had. Not one of them did a thing. Wow. And, you know, and it wasn't that they didn't know what to do, it wasn't that they weren't motivated to do it. And I started digging in a little bit and realized that for most of them, they were uncomfortable asking. And I thought that was, well, that's a little bit surprising. These are people that, you know, they're business owners, they sell for a living. And as I got into it a little more, I I realized that a couple of things are going on there. One, when they go to their clients, they look at at a client as a really valuable person in their life in any kind of business and, and rightly so. And they don't want to go back and kill the goose that Laid the golden egg. And the other, the other challenge that came out of some of those conversations as we went deeper was that they felt like they were putting their clients in a position to have to go and sell or convince someone on meeting with them. And that made the clients uncomfortable. And so asking a client to do an uncomfortable thing made the business owner uncomfortable. When you really get to the root of it, It comes down to the fact that for most of us, a referral is bringing someone who is already, you know, at the point of buying into a sales meeting. And there's a lot of pressure in a sales meeting. There's pressure for the prospect because they don't want to be sold, right? I don't even like going into sales meetings. I sell for a living. The only sales meeting I ever want to be in is the one where I'm doing the selling. You know, the rest of the time I'd like to be in a buying meeting. But I usually initiate those. So so that pressure of the sales meeting and and any way you cut it, the act of referring the way that it's typically done is taking someone that you care about and bringing them into a business that is looking for that referral and maybe prompted you to, to make the referral and bringing them into a sales meeting with that business. And that's where we want to end up with people. What I realized was if we change the definition of referral and back up a little bit in the buying process so that we're not only looking for people who are maybe in that top 3% in the market who are ready to buy today, Mm -hmm. and we back it up to people who are likely to buy over the next 12 to 18 months, and we can get in front of those people and not make it the job of our client to fully sell them but make it their job just to identify who might be a fit. And then we take over from there. That changes the whole dynamic. It opens up vastly more opportunity for referral uh, than, than anything you had before. And it also removes all of that awkwardness
2: that most people feel. Okay. How do you refine that so that you're getting, I don't know, uh, rich referrals, referrals that are uh, right inside your wheelhouse uh, not necessarily ready to buy, but at least people who are interested in what you're offering?
0: Well, the way that that we have found over the last 10 years that works best is to create an information asset. We call it a referral kit. And the very best kind of information asset you can create is a book. When you talk about why I think it's the best, it's proven to be the best. But But if you create an information asset that addresses a problem that your future client has and that they know they have, then that's going to by itself attract the people who are most likely to need your services. It's going to filter out people who have no interest whatsoever. And it's going to put you in a position to get access to those people a lot earlier in the buying cycle. And so, what we teach our clients and what I I talk about in Unstoppable Referrals in the book is to create that information asset, what we call a referral kit, and use that as the way to get introduced. Use that as the thing that is easy to share. It contains all of your best ideas and thinking that will help clients and get you in the position of being the only one that they're paying any attention to because you're the one that's talking to them about what they care about, which is the pressing problem that they're facing today. So that's your
2: input into uh, your Rolodex, if you will, the the, uh, people that you want to be your key referrers or that you believe are going to be your key referrers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So for entrepreneurs who are all busy people to start doing something new, generally speaking, it requires that they stop doing something old. And- When you pitch the effectiveness of referrals to people, what do you tell them not to do?
0: It's a great question. Usually the first thing we tell them not to do is stop responding to the marketing drive-bys that are happening to them every day. And by marketing drive-by, I mean, well, used to be the Yellow Pages guy would drive by, but that doesn't happen so much anymore. Now it's the, the Google Ads guy will drive by and mug them for, you know, $2,500 a month and and some ad spend, then the SEO guy will drive by, then the new website guy will show up. And all of those things leave them kind of chasing their tail. And um, social media now is a great example that I see people spending just an ungodly number of hours posting on social media in the hopes that they might get some reach when if they simply put something together, that they could go to their, their very best relationships and say, look, I've been passionate now for ten years or twenty years, or however long I've been in business about solving this particular problem for people. And I know you know people like that, and I'm on a mission to to solve that problem for as many people as I possibly can, which is why I wrote this book. And I'd love to brainstorm with you who in your network is facing those problems, and I'd love to give them a copy of the book as a gift from you. And if they just stop doing some of the nonsense, and start doing something like that where you're going deeper with the relationships that you already have and giving them a novel way to share you, you get almost instant results.
2: Sounds like stepping into the stream and going downstream instead of struggling upstream to me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So I know a lot of people who have spent their lives going to networking events two or three times a week, including the local chamber of commerce uh, and I don't mean to knock C's, I think they're good, but uh, to uh, other dinner events and galas and all kinds of things. And it has, and I've done a lot of it. And it always seemed to me like uh, it was fun. You met the same people all the time, but it wasn't very productive. What do you think about networking?
0: Well, I, I am guilty of all of that. So, as you know, um, about, uh, gosh, I guess it's been about, 14 years now, I moved from one area of Florida where I had a pretty extensive network to a a new area of Florida where I knew three people and two of them worked for me and had no network, moved up here. And I got extremely involved to try and build that network. And I did for about Oh, for about the first three years, I did exactly what you described. I was at every networking event. I was involved in the chamber. I was involved in the Economic Development Council. I was a part of the local uh, leadership community. I got involved in one of those uh, international networking groups where you go to a breakfast meeting and you got to bring a referral you know, for some other member every week. Did everything you could have done. Was probably spending somewhere between eight and 12 hours a week just networking and doing one-to-one meetings with people in my network and all of that and it produced results I mean you can't put that much effort in and not get any results but for the investment of time boy was it expensive and in 2012 I went completely cold turkey stopped networking altogether like literally yeah. and it didn't go anymore just said I'm not doing this anymore and I started doing it a little bit differently and a little more targeted I started a podcast much like you're doing here. And I, instead of going and meeting the people that would have just randomly decided to attend the events that I was attending, I made a list of the people that I actually wanted to connect with who had my ideal clients in their audience, in their network, and I knew it. And I'd reach out to them and say, you know, I've started this podcast and I'm interviewing all the smart people that I know. And you're one of the first people I thought of. Would you like to get together? No one says no to that. (laughs) And so at this stage, uh, that was 2012. Um, I did that for a year. I interviewed 50 entrepreneurs all around the world, vastly expanded my network and discovered that podcasting is a lot of work sometimes. And we grew and got clients out of that effort. And I ran out of time. And we can talk about how, how that was ultimately solved. So but it was the, I discovered that was the na- that was the new way to network. Um, in 2017, I came back, started our current podcast on that. I've interviewed over 185 entrepreneurs from all over the place, everything from world-renowned, you know, New York Times number one best-selling authors to you know the guy that probably is the number one coach for entrepreneurs, and at least in terms of longevity and size of business, just all kinds of people that would have been otherwise impossible to get access to. But because I was able to invite them onto my media platform, because I I instantly became a a media company, they wanted to be there. They wanted to come and promote themselves. They didn't care. They know none of them have ever asked how big is your audience? You know, none of them ever asked any of that because they get it. They get that. Yeah. It'll go out to our audience, but more importantly, they're going to get, a marketing asset where someone was interviewing them and making them look like a, a really smart person.
2: So that's not what we generally think of as a digital strategy. Digital strategy generally goes towards social media and uh, blogs and all of that. Do you consider this far more effective than the usual kind of digital strategy? For certain types of
0: companies, it's far more effective
2: and so service companies primarily
0: well i think for for any business where driving the business primarily through referral and recommendation is important that it is sort of the the untapped approach and digital strategies are great paid ads are fantastic we do some of that seo is fantastic all of those things are great but You don't have a lot of control with a lot of them, you know, with paid advertising, you're online, you're at the mercy of the platforms with SEO, you're at the mercy of Google on and on and on with this, you're dealing with other human beings who are driven by human nature, which hasn't changed in a couple of eons. And that brings a lot of certainty to the process. It also brings a lot of diversity to your sources of new business. So, you know, I've got just this month, 20 partners that I'll have meetings with. And compared to where our ads come from, which is from two places, that's much more diverse and actually has the potential to drive much more traffic. And that came out of your podcast? Came out of the podcast and the relationships that I've built there. And and every one of those interviews always spawns, two or three or four introductions to other people that they think I should know or would be great guests for the podcast. So it, it has this self-perpetuating capacity that other forms of, of, uh, of promotion don't, you know? You stop paying Google for ads, they're going to stop running them.
2: We hear a lot about showing your expertise, being an expert in a specific area. And I think that that's powerful, yet most people are reluctant to do that. I understand why. Because it's not so easy to talk uh, on camera or on audio, but I find whenever I buy something, I'm looking for someone who is an expert in the area and knows more about, uh, way more about uh, the subject matter than I do. I think of uh, service businesses, and one comes to my mind quickly is insurance, and most insurance agencies uh, grow pretty slowly, and it takes them years to. Get momentum, And then once they get that inertia built, they're accustomed to growth in the price of insurance. So that produces a little bit of growth. And then the growth that they get from networking, which is a few clients a month. And yet there seems to me to be this whole opportunity for specialists in the insurance business, as an example, would be the same in the accounting business, probably would be the same in the investment business, to really come out front to potential clients through a podcast you agree with that absolutely in fact we we helped an insurance
0: a commercial insurance broker do exactly that and he was based out in california in silicon valley and he sold all of the typical commercial lines you know property and casualty insurance sold it through agents across california and the us mm-hmm. and he was actually seeing the commoditization coming I think before most. And he began to specialize. And now his specialty is in rep and warranty insurance, which is a very specialized kind of insurance that ensures the acquisition of a business. Um, and so you know, in in a typical acquisition, there'd be a you know a 10% set aside. So if it's a hundred million dollar business, maybe there's $10 million sitting in escrow. The insurance company comes in and insures that so that. The seller of the business doesn't have to put so much money aside. They just buy an insurance policy to cover the risk. Very, very specialized. He got in kind of at the beginning of that, became the expert at it. We launched a podcast for him where he started to interview all of the players in private equity, investment banking, and m law in the Bay Area. And now he's sort of the go-to provider for that. You know, there are enormous international insurance companies that do it. He's really the go-to kind of boutique insurance agent. If you want somebody that will hold your hand through it, and you don't want to go through, you know, the the number, you know, being a number at one of the, the giant companies. And so um, that podcast has put him on the map in a way that he wasn't prior to.
2: All right. Just taking podcast back to referral for a moment. Uh, you're the expert. I'm expecting that there's an ABC or a one, two, three sequence to what you really need to do to prepare that referral kit and get it in the hands of the right people. So could you speak with that a little bit? Absolutely. So,
0: you know, we recommend that you, that you write a book. We've tried lots of different other formats. Um, we've tried webinars and presentations. We've tried audio CDs. This is back a few years but what we found is that the book works better than anything. And the reason that it works better is because it is the thing that we all look to when we're looking for high value information. So high perceived value, easy to share. So when you're thinking about how to package up your ideas, that's the way to do it. Then once, once you've
2: kind of gotten to that point, now the question is, well, what do we put in the book? And well, let's so first crack out of the box, most business people are going to say, I'm not an author no right. salesman. I'm not an author. I'm a plumber. Uh, how do I get this done? Well, you know that the the funny thing is I
0: after I wrote unstoppable referrals, that was the feedback that we got. And so we tried to dumb down the the format for what we call the referral kit and use these other things because they were easier for people to create. and they just didn't work as well. And so, What we finally have kind of ended up with is now writing the book for our clients. And so, but I've now written five books and in that process, reverse engineered how to write a book very quickly. And the first book I wrote, Unstoppable Referrals, was, it took me about 30, I think 35 days, about an hour a day. I thought that was fast. Second book took, it was a little bit shorter. It took eight hours. Third book took about 12 hours. The last book was written in just under 20 hours. And there's a process to, to getting that kind of speed out of it. And so and so the answer is you you need a system, you need a process. Most people start writing a book and they don't have a really good plan and they get lost. And that's what takes so long we eliminate all that right up front. So they've got a really easy plan. And so we'll either teach people how to do it or for certain clients, we'll actually write the book for them. So that's how you get the book done. That's the shortcut, but you know, you want to think about what needs to go in it. And most people will show up. Most experts will show up and say, well, I need to teach them everything that I know. And that's an enormous mistake. I had a client who had done that before we started working Mm -hmm. together. He had written a book. It was an award-winning book in his industry. It was about 400 something pages, best book on sales I've I've ever read. And I've read a lot of them and he couldn't figure out why he couldn't get any clients from it, but he had written a textbook and it was a very technical textbook. He came from an engineering and sales background, a lot of engineering in it. And he was trying to sell to sales managers and sales VPs who didn't have any tech background. And it just was a disaster. He wrote a textbook. He taught him everything he knew in the book. What you really want to write is a transformational book. And a transformational book is designed to change the readers or the prospects thinking and take them from where they are now facing some big problem. So you want to start by describing the problem that they have and empathizing with them and, and highlighting all the consequences of not solving the problem because they might not have thought of all of them. You know, after all, you're the expert, you've probably seen some consequences And know that there are some there hiding, waiting for them. And educating them on all that at the beginning of the book. Then in the kind of the meat of the book, you want to lay out your solution to that problem. What we would call your unique mechanism. What are the unique combination of steps that you would take someone through to to get to the end result? And then at the end, you want to show them what their amazing... Bigger, better future looks like. You want to paint that picture really, really clearly so that you're really in the course of the book, you're taking them from the challenge that they're facing through the solution all the way to this amazing future state. You know, I call it walking the yellow brick road because you end up in Oz. Those are the types of books that most buyers need because early in the buying process, they need to understand their problem. They need to understand what solutions are available and see that there is a path to solving it. And they need to be able to envision what life is going to be like on the other side so that they can get themselves motivated to get into action. And that's actually the most valuable thing you can give them.
2: Wonderful. And so if you're there with that solution uh, and the path to what the future looks like for them, you can going to have a pretty good chance, huh?
0: Absolutely, absolutely.
2: So uh, you've gone through... Uh podcasts uh, and uh, how to write that book as your uh, kind of primary focus uh, in terms of how to find more opportunity for businesses. Let's look to the future a bit. What's next? Well, you know, for us,
0: I think the big focus is helping people get over the hump in, in getting their ideas out and using their ideas to sell and doing that through the book. The book is the sort of the first step. So, but just, It might be helpful less to to kind of tie all these ideas together so Mm -hmm. listeners can understand how it all fits. So, you know, all of this really started when, you know, going back to, to 2012, that first story we started with, and I kind of unpacked some of the problems with referrals and we discovered some easier ways and really the way these things fit together. And the order that if you're listening to this, the order you want to begin to, to create these things in your own businesses start with taking your your best ideas the things that clients love the most and package those up so that they can go sell for you most people go out and try and and sell their ideas but you want to do it the other way around you want to take your ideas out let those ideas captivate and compel people to want to do business with you those will make you unique And that's what most businesses are struggling to figure out is how are we unique? So put that into a book. Okay. Now you've got an easy way for everybody that you know to share your very best thinking about how you help people. The next thing you want to do is exponentially expand your network and focus it on the people who have already gone out and rounded up your ideal clients. That's where the podcast comes in. So it gives you a really focused, targeted, and time efficient way to do all that networking. So, you know, when I said I went cold turkey on networking, I was probably spending eight or 12 hours a week doing that. And I went down to about four hours a month and multiplied my results from the the networking that I was doing. So the podcast is the way to make those connections. And then when you interview someone on a podcast, it creates such a warm relationship because you're shining the light on them and their expertise and you're making them feel like a real superstar. So when you get done with the interview, it's the best networking meeting you've ever had. It's not like the coffee date where somebody shows up, you know, a little bit stressed and late because they just were running from another meeting and then they got to leave early for the next meeting and you agree to walk away with some, you know, mutually beneficial future relationship and then never hear from them again. You end that relationship because they've shown up to talk about themselves. They're showing up as their best self. And at the end, you get to have a conversation and say, wow, this has been really great. You know, you've given me such great value that I get to share with my network. I'd love to return the favor. You know, I I've written this great book. Would this be of any interest? Would you be willing to brainstorm who I might be able to share this with to help give value to your network? And the answer is almost always yes, if there's a fit. And so that's the process for multiplying your referrals. And then, you know, for a lot of our clients, when they execute that, they can get rid of all of those other digital strategies. They don't have to do advertising anymore. They don't have to do anything else because they've got a way, a never-ending
2: way to keep filling that pipeline. Steve, excellent. You're just giving us a ton of value this morning. So anyone who's listening now has a step-by-step on how to uh, create many more referrals. So I've enjoyed you being here, Steve.
0: What's the best way for people to contact you? So they can uh, find us at unstoppableceo.net. They can find the podcast there and a little bit about everything that we do. And I have a new book coming out, which will take you through how to write a short lead generating book really quickly. It's called The Magnetic Author Method. And they can get that at magneticauthor.co/book. Okay,
2: thanks again, Steve, for being here.
1: This has been on deck with your host Les Deck. Thanks for listening. Each month. Less Deck talks with a veteran entrepreneur and uncovers new strategies to help business owners get better results. If you want to learn more about Less Deck and leadership team coaching, visit us on the web at lessdeck.com. Also, we love to hear from listeners. If you have a comment or question, email us at ondeck at lessdeckconsulting.com. If you enjoyed this, Please remember to subscribe at Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a Less Deck production.